Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, Montreal gets real mad in Minnesota. I get real mad at the officiating, and what exactly is going on with Evgeny Dodonov? All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 718 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Make sure you are subscribed and make sure you hit the bell so you get notified every time that we post a new episode. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, normally when the Canadians lose this year, we're not really frustrated about the way things have gone. Tonight feels different, at least for me, because I don't know. I kind of thought it might be better after the Habs' first period. But how are you feeling after a 4-1 loss to the Minnesota Wild? I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't think the Habs deserve to lose that game. I thought the first period was excellent, actually. I thought the first period between both teams was really good. It was exciting. It was, it was a good, well-played game. I do know that we're going to talk a little bit later, a little bit more about the officiating later in this episode. But for whatever reason, this game just felt like the Habs should have won it. That's what I'm upset about. I think, you know, and I'm not too, too upset, right? This season is is just, it's, 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 it's no results. It's just vibes <laughs> for me. Uh, I want to see, you know, I want to see them play well. And, and I think to a large extent we did. I'm just frustrated with the result because I do think, and I really do. There's no moral victories in hockey, but I do think that the Habs deserve to win that game. Yeah, I. they came out and they played a really strong first period. They didn't have a goal, but they played really, really well at even strength in this game. And then everything kind of came unglued in the second period. Jake Allen had a bad rebound that got put home. And then there was an iffy, I guess, what it, and we will talk about officiating goaltender interference call that led to another power play goal. And then it's just everything unraveled from there because the wild took momentum of this game back through their power play. That's where they were at their best in this game. And it was enough to keep Montreal at bay. Yes. They had three, five on five goals, but they didn't look like the more dominant team for stretches of that game until the Habs started giving them power play. Something we had talked about before and it's frustrating because, yeah, Jake Allen didn't have a great night. I thought he was fine. Far, He wasn't perfect, and there was always going to be a regression in there a little bit. But I thought he was more than fine in this. And just, you know, it didn't work the way we were hoping to. And it's the Wild. They're going to be a playoff team. They, We know they're a very good team, and we know they're coached well. So my question is, how do you bounce back from this then? You have the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday where I'm hoping Arbor Jack, I just absolutely destroys the coward Mark Shifley one way or the other. The Jets are a similar team that they have a lot of offensive talent. I'm wondering what the Canadians have learned from this one to stay out of the box, I hope. And 
if I'm taking anything away from this, I don't want to be all negative about this game. I'm just looking at a lot of the numbers. The biggest thing is the Wild just created more scoring chances than the Canadians and in high danger chances, even though the Habs owned more of the flow of play. It's get to those dangerous areas and make things happen. Marc-Andre Fleury was not otherworldly tonight. In fact, he looked like regular Marc-Andre Fleury, and there was just people not there to cash in on the rebounds, whereas the Wild were all over everything in front of the net, and I think that's a big difference in this game. But my one big compliment, and I'm sorry for taking up a lot of this first segment here, is Kirby Doc stays on the top line. I don't want to hear anything else. Kirby Doc stays on the top line. That trio of forwards rules extremely hard, and I want to see more of that going forward. I think consistently Kirby Doc has shown different positive aspects of every game, right? As much as he's played, I want to say even in the preseason, I know people were starting to notice his skills and what he brings in the preseason, but in the regular season, every game that he has played, he's shown a new thing that he's good at in my mind. So I think that's very deserved praise. I think some of the some of this game felt like missed opportunities, right? Allowing the wild into your kitchen is is not a recipe for success. And the Canadians, the Canadians are going to have to avoid that against Winnipeg. I don't know if Winnipeg plays the coward Mark Shifley, to be honest. I really, I, I feel like they've been kind of very carefully managing him around the Habs in the past. So it's definitely, it's definitely on their minds, even if it's, you know, even if it does seem manufactured sometimes where like the media asks about it or like, you know, did Jake Evans feel the need to flatten him in the first meeting after that, you know, playoff run or whatever. There's a lot of drama surrounding that, but I find that it's, I don't know if it's just me. There haven't been that many games, but they have been kind of carefully managing Mark Shifley around the Habs. So I do, I, like, I, I would expect, like, it's not that I would expect, I would be, I would not be surprised if they held him out of that game. Uh, but if they do, play him in that game i hope that they put arbor jack eye out on the ice at the same time i'm not encouraging anything here other than arbor jack eye being on the ice at the same time as mark shifley uh the coward mark shifley they they are gonna play mark shifley because i'm on natural stat trick and i'm looking at their thing he is their most used forward uh at even strength he's gonna play but uh the winnipeg jets have not been good Uh, The Canadians were not expected to be good, and they're trending a little bit better than that based on the way they play here. Their Canadians have been on the rise steadily, and the Jets have been on the way down. I think this is the kind of game you just chuck it in the bin and you go, whatever, screw it. It's the wild. We never have to see them again. Um, Hopefully, Uri Slavkovsky is okay after... It's not a cheap shot from Marco Rossi, but it's a little bit of like a scuzzy move. It's a 4-1 game, and you're throwing a hit in a dangerous spot. It's not a dirty hit. It's just kind of a respect thing. And Dean Evison then putting him back on the ice when Arbor Jacki was on the ice is a very dumb coaching move on a lot of different levels. One, they should not have put Arbor Jacki on the ice. And two, you shouldn't have put Rossi in that situation to be on the ice at the same time as a guy who's known for well, murdering people with his hands. That's what he does. Uh, I'm very interested to see what this Jets-Habs game turns into because they're always a mess, quite frankly. I look at you know Josh Anderson's hat trick last year that ended 8-4 for the Jets. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be something, and I'm going to be real interested to see if Mark Shifley still wants to run his mouth going into this. And, um, well, 
I know what everyone else is tuning in for. Now, as we go into our second segment here, I don't like Chris Lee, and I have a lot of questions about the officiating in the game against the Minnesota Wild, and that's all coming up next. But first, if you have followed this show, you know that we love a Built Bar. And guess what, folks? They've got new reimagined flavors with cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. White chocolate peppermint granola is Built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. They have candy cane brownie Built Puffs coming. It's like biting into the most delicious protein-filled cloud. It's everything you want. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, have 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories, just 130 per bar. So folks are telling you, just sink your teeth into that first bite, and it'll change your life forever. And you're probably wondering, where are you going to go find these? You go to Built.com. You put whatever you want in your basket, the new flavors, the standby flavors, everything, and put in promo code LOCKDOWN15 at checkout. That's going to give you everything that you are looking for. Remember, that's Built.com and promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. All right, so we haven't really done one of these in a while. So, Laura, I'm going to give you a second to get your words in before I wake up the dog, the neighbors, and Carly by yelling at Chris Lee like the incompetent bum that he is. Um, What are your thoughts on how this game was officiated? Even if you were just Twitter watching tonight, what is what is the vibe uh, of you for you after this? I was watching, watching it. I was in Twitter watching it. <laughs> um, I I thought Chris Lee was retired. I um, I, I I just I I thought he was gone. <laughs> I I don't know why. I was like, last year was the last we were going to see of him. What happened here? I, that's the thing is, and here's the thing about Chris Lee is. He's probably ticked off two of the most, you know, vitriolic fan bases in the NHL because he was the one who refed that disaster of a Leafs-Ducks game on Sunday that was so bad that both teams, despite one of them winning the game, went, this was terrible. In that they look at it and go, these two things are the same. One of them was a penalty shot. One of them was a regular penalty what gives? He got in a public pissing contest with Dallas Eakins over this. And then they overturned a goal that did not look like goaltender interference. And then Anaheim still won in overtime. And we discussed a lot of that yesterday on the show. It is what it is. Whatever. Getting into tonight's game, I thought he was abysmal. The goaltender interference call on Yolamia. Okay, fine. Maybe sure. But where it really started to turn for me was uh, Marco Rossi's assist on what was Kuro Kaprizov's second goal of the night, where the puck is very clearly hitting the blade of the stick above his shoulder. And because it was not a shot on net, it does not have to be crossbar. It has to be shoulder width. The angle TSN showed at is that it is clearly hitting it. Either he's not in position and just missed the call, which probable, And then it still counts as a good goal, which is just maddening because I don't understand what we have video review for. If it's not conclusive, it's not a goal in the first place. And you can't tell, what are we paying for? How do we not have puck tracking to see the height of these things off the ice at this point? It's, It's a mess. And the biggest, most egregious thing that happened in this game was that 
Brendan Gallagher is in a battle in front of the net and he's pushing and shoving with Jared Spurgeon. Normal, fine. They kind of cross-check each other back and forth. Everyone gets one each and that's it. And then Spurgeon just continues to cross-check him until Gallagher is now knocked down on the ice in Marc-Andre Fleury's crease on his back, still being cross-checked by Jared Spurgeon. And they looked at this and went, Nah, I don't see a thing wrong with this. And then Gallagher tries to leave the zone and gets interfered with by Jacob Middleton. And they still went, nope, looks fine to me because I'm an idiot who is bad at my job. I, it, You know it's bad when even the broadcast that is a national broadcast for this team is incredulous at what is happening. It's and this is not just a Chris Lee thing. He is the he is the direction of my ire tonight. He's terrible and should be put out to pasture immediately because it's dangerous to let people get unwillingly cross-checked in a prone position without consequence for it. And then you wonder why the game spiraled out of control after that fact. It's because you're bad at your job. I don't understand what the standard of officiating is, and it's exhausting to watch that become the story of the game. We could have talked about how these two teams played a high-paced, high-event game. That would be awesome. And you know what most people are talking about? Chris Lee sucking at his job for the second time in three days. It's so frustrating. I don't want to talk about officiating. I should never know who is officiating the game. Because the minute I know their name, I know that they did something wrong. Just like in baseball with Angel Hernandez or Joe West or whoever. The minute it goes wrong, their name trends on Twitter. It's it's exhausting, and I'm tired of talking about the officials, but it's so egregious that you can't help but talk about it sometimes. And he's going to do this to another team this season. And he's going to do it to another team and another team and another team because the NHL doesn't change anything at this point. It's tiring, and I don't I, – I get that you know people think I love yelling and screaming and throwing a temper tantrum, and yeah, maybe a little bit, but – it's so tiring to have refs be a continuous narrative in the NHL. Best refs in the world, says Gary Bettman. And like a lot of other things, Gary Bettman's lying through his teeth because that's what lawyers and snakes do. And that is that is my spiel for that. I think I've startled the dog who is woofing in her sleep in the other room currently. Here, I would like to posit that Chris Lee does it on purpose for the attention. I think some go to therapy like- then. Go to therapy, Chris. <laughs> I think that there's a large part of 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 Chris Lee that likes to be the story. I I refuse to believe that anybody is this bad at their job without doing some of it on purpose. Like I believe in incompetence. I believe there are a lot of incompetent people in this world, and incompetent people in positions of you know, whether it's stature or power or whatever. I just, again, I thought he was retired. I thought we'd seen the last of him until obviously the um, Toronto Maple Leafs game. Uh, But at the same time, yes, the officiating in the NHL leaves a lot to be desired. desired. Part of it is due to the institution. If they set better standards, if they had tighter rules, that would be one thing. They also, it's hard to recruit good officials in this league. Uh, it's hard to re- recruit good officials in almost every league at this point, apparently. This is something that I hear from from friends who, who play in leagues, even at the lower levels, that it's hard to find people who want to be refs. It's not an easy job. I do think that it's very disingenuous, disingenuous of uh, Gary Bettman to say best refs in the world or best refs in sport or whatever it is that he said. 
I just wonder for me, what's going to happen when Chris Lee retires? Like, is it just going to be more incompetent people? Like the NHL has to do something with the quality of the officiating. Maybe they have better schooling, right? Like maybe you want to be an NHL ref and you have to go through better training. Maybe they have, like I said, more, I don't even know if it's different standards. I don't know if they need to change their standards. I think more they need to make the enforcement of those standards more uniform. That's where I think it is. I think that this is like a, an egregiously bad official that no team's fans in the NHL like, right? And I think that, like I said, it does sometimes feel like he's doing it on purpose to, do, to be the story. And when you do that, you do tend to lose control of the game. Like he's lost. Like I have had the same conversation with you, Scott, where he has lost control of the game. This is the fourth season that we're doing this podcast. We've had multiple episodes in every season where we talk about how he's lost control of the game. Like as a referee, you have one job. It is not to lose control of the game. So I think that there's definitely a lot going there. Like I know I'm not as angry as you are, Scott. Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm bemused by the whole thing is, is the way that I would put it. I just, I don't understand. I, I don't think that, I think, it, I, like, first of all, I don't understand how he still has a job, but I think also part of the fact is that, like, there's not enough refs, so that's probably why. That's probably the only reason he has a job. And second, like, I find it really hard to believe that this isn't, like, his, like, a running bit where he just wants to be the center of attention and he wants, like, how can you be that bad at your job? Like, how can you make so many bad calls without at least doing some of them on purpose? I mean... People sucking at their job has never stopped the NHL from continuing to employ them. Look at Gary Bettman and, you know, the entire NHL PA head or uh, the in most of the existence of the Edmonton Oilers or the Buffalo Sabres or et cetera, et cetera. Most of the Montreal Canadiens for the last 10 years. But I, I'm going to move on from officiating because I'm pretty sure my blood pressure is higher than it needs to be at this point. And we're going to move on. We're going to talk about a name who is not in the lineup and has not been at practice for the last two days, and that's Evgeny Dodonov. And we're going to kind of figure out what's going on with the player they acquired for Shea Weber's contract this offseason, and that's all coming up next. We are back. We are locked on Canadians. I am out of breath. I am maybe a little over-caffeinated for 10 after 11 on a Tuesday night, but... That is what happens when there is an 8 p.m. start and I am tired from working all day. One of the biggest things that happened this offseason was the Montreal Canadiens traded Shea Weber. And you can't, if you're listening to this, I am doing air quotes in like the most aggressive way possible to the Vegas Golden Knights to clear his contract off their books. And, and they traded him for Evgeny Dodonov, a player who I was actually very excited about coming to this team because... Uh, on a lot of the teams he's played for in the past, he's been kind of a Swiss army knife of, I can be here, I can be there, I can be anywhere in this lineup that you need me. And through the preseason and through the couple of games that he's played regularly this year, Evgeny Dodonov hasn't really been up to what we were expecting from him. Uh, we talked, I was talking with Andrew Berkshire, you know, uh, in a Twitter DM about this. And I go, he's not making the wrong reads. When he's playing, everything just seems a step off or slow from where it should be for someone who is an experienced NHL vet. He's never been the fastest guy or the most skilled guy, but he generally makes the right plays and gets things in the right spot. He was uh, scratched in the uh, game against the Blues, and then he was scratched again tonight, and 
they said maintenance day, and I don't know if he's nursing an injury or if what's going on. But there's a lot of smoke surrounding him right now that uh, someone asked if there was, you know, a trade or something going on. And Martin St. Louis admittedly got very, you know, short with the person who asked the question. And, you know, it, the insinuation that something else is brewing there. It is very strange that we haven't really heard much. He, They didn't say he was injured. If he was injured and they're saying he's getting treatment, that's one thing. And if he was going on waivers, I think they would have probably done it by now at this point. I don't know unless they're saving it for the weekend or something. And I don't get why he'd be the first one out or they're working on something. But Laura, we got to admit the whole situation is a little bit weird for a guy who hasn't been great, but is probably been the most consistent option out of everyone they've continued to try and rotate into this lineup at least right i think what's bizarre is the lack of transparency that i think that that's the thing we're used to a little bit more from the Habs organization under kent hughes and jeff gorton maintenance day could mean anything and, and the fact that you said like he's just like a step slower like i don't think it's an age thing a step slower means either his instincts are off for whatever reason he needs you know uh, he needs to take a step back and deconstruct, de deconstruct his game and do a little bit of video work maybe. Or there's an injury there that's nagging and they don't want to put him on the IR. Or they don't want to be explicit about the injury because at the end of the day, he was traded for in order to be traded away, right? Like that was the whole idea with acquiring the Donov. Isn't, isn't just getting rid of Shea Weber's contract, but having a trade piece for next year. So it's possible that they don't want to announce any injury just yet if there's nothing official, if it's, if it's just something that's kind of like nagging at him, like you you don't want to affect his trade value, which, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to have to pass a physical. And then if the Canadians, Canadians withheld any information, the trade would be null and void, all of that kind of stuff. We know, we know the logistics involved in that. But I just think that maybe they just don't want him to, to seem banged up because there's, there may be interest or they may be shopping him. I think, for me, I don't know that it's really anything sinister going on. I think they're just not being as transparent because in my mind, personally, I think that there's some sort of nagging injury or some sort of uh, physical issue. And and the thing about it is people are like, oh, are they going to put him on waivers? I'm like, I don't think they're going to put a guy like him on waivers because if they lose him for nothing, it def like you said, it defeats the whole purpose of why they acquired him as a player in the first place. And that's never been Kent Hughes's MO, at least so far. So he does not give anything away for free. And I don't think he's going to give Evgeny Dodonov away for free. I think, you know, based on injuries around the league, uh, teams needing forwards and this and that, it may have either opened the market sooner than he was expecting, uh, in that case, kind of like the Tyler Toffoli trade last year, or someone, you know, kind of just said, hey, um, we want this now, and they're going to make something happen on that. And maybe they're waiting till they get back on the road. I, I assume he is traveling with the team. I don't know. I'm not traveling game to game. Uh, it would be fun if I would, if I was, if I would. Wow, it is late. But I, I'm not worried about it. If there was, If they had a trade in place, it would be done already. And if they were going to put him on waivers, it would have been done already. It could just be, it's like, it, did he just come into camp out of shape and he's not to game pace yet? Is it just he had a nagging injury that maybe they didn't know about or wasn't seen originally and kind of got aggravated playing a couple of games? It could be any number of things. 
I mean, I would like him to be in the lineup. I think he's a very useful piece. And until that point, you know, they're kind of playing juggling with fourth line forwards and bottom six forwards. You have Jonathan Drouin and Mike Hoffman and Yol Armia and Rem Pitlick and Michael Pazetta and Uri Slavkovsky is rotating in as well. They have a lot of bodies. They're going to have to make a choice for them at some point here. So I don't know what that choice is going to be. Uh, but I do think that there is something going on here. I just don't think it's as imminent as people are thinking. I think, you know, he might just be banged up and it's, it's simple as that. And there's nothing more sinister besides that. So uh, we will see. They do play the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday. So uh, we will have a preview of that. The Rocket play tomorrow at 7 p.m. in Toronto or at home. They're playing the Marlies one way or the other. So uh, if there is roster news, movement news, we're going to find out because I assume anyone they're going to want down with the Rocket are going to, they're going to have them sent there already by this point. Um, as always, thank you for listening. If you're uh, listening to wherever you get your podcast, please make sure you're subscribed. If you're watching our very tired faces on YouTube, please hit that bell so you know every time we post a new video. And as always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Follow Laura at The Active Stick, myself at Scott Matla. And when you're done, please check out Locked On Sports today where you have all the major news that you could possibly be looking for in one easy-to-find podcast wherever you get your shows or also on YouTube. Folks, we will see you all next time.